Hello there. Thank you very much for listening to episode four of Inquisitive Jeff. Uh, my name is Jeffrey Brooks, and today um, I have the privilege of having someone come back for round two, which is very rare uh, because I've actually never had a repeat guest, and so this is awesome. Um, my guest today has been on a podcast um, where we pretty much we only got to talk for a little bit. Uh, we talked briefly about boy bands and Batman v Superman and little things like that. And I was just so fascinated when I was talking to her that I was like, you have to come back. And not only do you have to come back, like I put, I pointed a gun at her and I was like, you have to come back against your will. And I said, you have to come back and you have to tell me more because you are so fascinating as a human being. I need to know more about you. And so basically... What we're doing now is we are going to do a continuation, almost like a part two, um, with my special guest today. Um, you've already met her before, and her name is Andrea Beck, uh, and she's going to just kind of travel through this time-traveling life uh, that she has uh, lived, and she's going to take me through it. She's going to hold my hand. She can't reach my hand right now, and we're too <laughs> separated by a giant table, but she's going to take my hand metaphorically, and she's going to lead me through life and just tell me all these fascinating things about herself. And so, um, Andrea, first things first, thank you for coming back. Well, thank really you for having it. me back. Really appreciate it. You gave me, you gave me some um, It Works uh, Migraines energy yeah. to hook me up because I'm very tired today, yes. as you can hear it in my voice. You can chug it. I could. Yeah. I mean, it would probably look really weird and I'd spill it all over myself and all over the carpet and that's not and there's electronics everywhere and and you don't want to, you know, you don't want water on electronics that's no. a problem, you know. Not good. Um so basically the premise of the show, look at me, I'm already popping my peas. Uh the premise of the show <laughs> is I'm just going to kind of you know, I want you to kind of just go through life, but I want you to lead me to where you are currently and the only way you can lead me to where you are currently is if we start with the origin story, um, to literally go back in time and um, to the day that you entered the earth. And I'm kind of curious about your life. So I'm just going to um, ask you first things first. Where were you born? Yeah. Here in San Antonio, Texas. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so I was born here, and I've lived here my entire life. Yes. And I think um, it's unique, but it's also, in some ways, I feel like I haven't experienced that much because of me um, living here my entire life. Yeah. And so I was born, um, I guess I might as well say the year, 1986. Okay. And um, you could probably do the math and figure out I turned 30 it, yeah. this year. <laughs> you know, it, it's a good thing that it's 2016. Because if yeah. it was like 2013, you might have some <laughs> people that are like, wait, uh, hold on. How I got to actually do some calculations. Hold on. Mm. Click, 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 click. There's <laughs> <laughs> my calculator. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think it's been a, an exciting year already. But I know I'm, we're kind of starting from the beginning and getting to where I am yeah. today. But um, so, yeah. So I was born here and... Um, I have an amazing family. My parents are just fantastic people. They really, they really are been great examples for me and my my brothers and um and for I think anyone that knows them really yeah and um, just their love for the Lord and how they live their life and inspire others and help people is really incredible. So I'm very very blessed and super thankful for them. 
Um, I have two brothers. So I have an older brother, Isaac, and I have my younger brother, Donald. And my oldest brother, Isaac, is actually has special needs. And so growing up, I feel like in large part, I always felt like I was the oldest child because just of the dynamics and having a sibling that has special needs, it's a very unique uh, family situation. And people that have uh, either a family member or close, maybe friend, relative, whatever, um, that is in that category or that, um, I don't want to say category, but that um, has special needs, I think they can probably understand and relate. But it is very different. I think um, just even as you're trying to explain to people the situation yeah. and then they have questions and, well, why are they like that? And what happened? And yeah. it's like, well, we don't know. You know, right. it's just, this is just it's what just happened. And this is just the, way it the is. situation. Yeah. yeah. And you just, um, you know, you do your best like everyone and go through your, your life and, um, you know, and, and I think growing up with my brother, Isaac, he's awesome. He really um, loves being around people and he's definitely a people person. Yeah. And he's been diagnosed as being autistic and that was much later in life that they had that diagnosis. Um, because when we grew up as kids in the, I guess, early 90s, like there wasn't autism wasn't really talked about. I don't know that people really knew what it was even yeah. to diagnose people as being autistic. Um, and so now that we're older, I think it, it's kind of gotten more of a, I guess a defined or somewhat defined um, title. Yeah. But um, even then I'm not sure that, that people in the medical field really know or that anyone really knows exactly what all that means. Yeah. Um, but for us, um, Growing up, um, I'm just trying to think of like where to direct this. I need to. I'm. I'm gonna have to cut you off. I need you. You need me yeah. to talk like this. Unless you want to just angle it to yourself, okay. you're more than welcome to. Yeah. Is that better? Yes. Okay. Sorry, because no, I keep doing this. No, you're good. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah. So um, I grew up here in San Antonio. Um, as long as I can remember, I've always been a part of Eagles Nest, now Summit Christian Center. My parents actually started going to that church when they were pregnant with me. So I've okay. literally been there my entire life. Okay. And it's funny when people ask me now, you know, how, how long have you been going to the church? And it's Since like, birth. Well, you yeah, weren't joking. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And um, and then my little brother, Donald, is also, he's also was b- born into the church as well because, um, you know, we've been there our entire lives. And um, when he was born um, in 1990, at that time, I think we were still... At ben- I can't remember if we were still at the the flea market location or if we'd already moved. I think we were. Yeah. I think we were just about to move to 281 and Bitters, um, where Eagles Nest was prior to coming, moving and changing to Summit. Yeah. Um. But um. But yeah, I, I I'm really blessed to have grown up in such a a great an amazing church with great leadership and um I've just learned so many foundational principles that. I don't think I'd be who I am today had I not grown up in Eagle's Nest slash Summit. Yeah. And so I'm so thankful for um, our pastors, Rick and Cindy, and um, just all that they've sown into my life and my family's life. And really, I think everyone that's even had the privilege of being a part of of that ministry because um, it really has just been phenomenal, I think just what they've done in their legacy here in, in this city and abroad. Yeah. Um, and so growing up, I was, I, I really felt like I was always a part of the church, even though I didn't necessarily start serving regularly until I was a little older. But 
but I was always like in Sunday school and yeah. um, I was extremely shy growing up. I remember just to not really like having to talk to people I didn't know well. And anytime my parents, my my dad is very outgoing. So anytime my parents would have friends over or, um, you know, want to introduce their kids, uh, yeah. all of us to their friends, I would just remember kind of wanting to hide, you know. Aww. And um, and it's funny, My the first place I actually started serving and within the church was on the mime team out of all the areas to oh serve. Oh my. I was on mime. I was in the mime team in the thing. 90s. That was the thing in the 90s. Very yes. cool. If you were, you knew you were with it as a church if you had a mime team. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, um, but yes, yeah, so I They're was like, 12. you can't leave now. We have, <laughs> we have dirt on you. You yeah. were on the mime team. Yeah. You cannot leave. I did a lot of things here. At, I think at being a part of the church ministry with, at what point did that phase and, out? What point did the um, mime team? I think out? that was for. I may have only been one Christmas, <laughs> oh. so I remember we did something for Christmas, and then what I a think shock that it was didn't it. Continue. <laughs> oh what a surprise that the mime it's team so wasn't funny. still current and keeping and still going. But I just think it's so ironic, and then it's funny to me, like just to think the Lord had in mind, you know, all that I get to do now when at that time as a kid i would have never imagined and my mom sang it um sang at eagle's nest and also sang before they started going to eagle's nest she's sung for a long time and and done ministry worship ministry um and people would ask me you know are you gonna sing like your mom like she would sing a lot of um songs of the lord and just flow with whatever the holy spirit was giving her anytime she was singing and i remember constantly being asked that as a child are you gonna sing like your mom and i would say no was it like pressured almost i think maybe a little bit because it you know i was the only daughter and it's like oh you're gonna follow in your mom's footsteps and i think as a child i just didn't see that gifting in me i liked i think i liked singing but i just didn't have that confidence to sing in front of people at all yeah and i didn't like the idea of people like staring at me or looking at me it just made me feel so uncomfortable well your family is also kind of naturally inclined um with a singing ability because obviously your youngest brother sings as well yeah and i'm i'm you know and isaac actually he loves music yeah and he's it's amazing like he can learn um songs just very quickly like he memorizes the words and we're just like how do you wait when did this happen that's great so yeah i think it is kind of i mean i'm sure though the the pressure might be more on your shoulders as opposed to um your brothers just because like I don't know. They 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 correlate it with your mother, and so they're maybe thinking like, "Oh, you have to be that person that mm-hmm. takes the reins." Because I mean, I'm sure I don't know if that pressure was on Donald or anything. I mean, probably I don't think wasn't. So. It probably was like, "Hey, what are you gonna you do with your life? You're gonna go play a sport or do yeah. something else or whatever." I don't know whatever he was into. Unfortunately, right. I'll have to interview him. Yeah. And figure that out. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was. I mean, I'd have to ask him. I guess to be for sure, but. I don't ever remember that with him. Like, I just, I remember for sure, though, people asking me. And um, I remember being a part of, um, even younger than 12, like, I remember uh, when we had the Christmas, I guess, musicals or pageants or whatever for the children's ministry when I was, like, six and seven. And, like, um, the Roaches were a part of the church at that time. So I remember Melissa singing a solo. We were just kids, like, six, seven years old. And I still remember it so well that's awesome um and then a lot of the families that were part of the church at that time i remember just being kids and growing up with all of them um and 
I guess it was probably, so um, I was in public school, um, I guess first through like third grade. I think it was like halfway through third grade. My parents weren't so crazy about the school district that we were in. So they pulled, um, my, well, they pulled me and then my brother Donald would have just started kindergarten, I think at that point. So uh, they decided to homeschool us. And I was homeschooled, uh, myself and Donald, we were homeschooled, uh, well, for me, third through, I guess, sixth grade. So for about three years. And then I knew I wanted to go, I wanted to experience high school and yes. like just that whole experience and setting and being a pub, being in a public school. And so my parents um, decided that it made sense for me to start middle school. That way I could kind of get just the groove of being back in Instead that of environment. just throwing you straight in high school yes. and being like eating up alive. Yes, exactly. Like a deer in headlights. Yeah. Or like Pastor Rick says, raccoon on I-35. Right. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I do want to, I guess I'll, let me, I need to jump in and put a pin on that one real quick just because I went to, and I know this show obviously isn't about me, but I just went, <laughs> I went about, I went to uh, three elementary schools. Oh my gosh. And I went to three middle schools. What? Yeah, all all in all within like because your seven dad years. is in the military. Well, you know what's hilarious was my dad retired. Uh, he hit his twenty years in ninety six. Okay. And so he joined in seventy six, retired in ninety six, and I was five years old. So technically speaking, the moving around and relocating was had nothing to do with the military, which a lot of people That's just so assume crazy. that. A yeah. lot of people are just like, "Oh, your dad was in the no, he was he retired at that it's point." It's because you were a troublemaker. I was. You were expelled. I was. No, you want to know what's hilarious is <laughs> I actually went to kindergarten twice. What? Fun fact. Because you just loved it so much. I did, and I, I was uh, clearly again. an idiot. So. Nah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. No. What happened was I went to we went to a Nazarene church. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know as that. As a kid. That's and, interesting. Well, it's funny because non-denominational churches really didn't exist where I grew up. Okay. So um, it was either like a lot of Catholic or a lot of like, you know, just little uh, churches here and there. And it was very rare. So we went to a Nazarene church and I went to, they had a kindergarten program. There was like a preschool and a K kindergarten. I'm sorry. Yeah. Preschool to kindergarten program thing. And um, I, you know, did the preschool and I did kindergarten. I even had like a graduation little ceremony and we all did a little singing thing on the stage and I have pictures, but we Aww. then went to um, the the town I lived in. We tried to transition into the public school of the town, uh, Tiverton, Rhode Island. Uh, shout out. Such a small town. <laughs> literally, literally such a small town. Um, and uh, went to this school called ranger school ranger elementary and um they uh they wouldn't let me go to first grade they were like yeah that we we can't like pass these credentials of this like nazarene church like we can't oh. count it as like a thing and so like i had to go to kindergarten again so i literally was a year older than everyone in my class <laughs> and so everyone's just assuming that i'm the big kid that's an idiot oh no and um but it was it was really fascinating because I, I really think that God was behind the scenes because yeah. I wouldn't be able to meet my my two best friends up there at the time, oh. um, which are still very close to me today, but I just haven't seen them in forever. That's cool. Um, I wouldn't have met them if, if everything was supposed to go the way it was supposed to. Yeah. Um, so I kind of look at it like a, a blessing in disguise. And you're not really conscious of kindergarten, so who cares? Sure. Um, but after first grade in Ranger... Um, I went to, uh, it was weird. The district lines in the town kind of in the counties, they changed a little bit. Uh -huh. So like 
if you lived on a certain part of town, then you went to Ranger. There was actually four elementary schools in this town. Okay. So there was Ranger, there was Fort Barton, there was Nonquit, and Pacasset. Okay. And so I went to Ranger because I lived near Ranger. So, like, if you live in that little district, you go to Ranger. Well, they expanded the lines and changed it a little bit. So, eventually, it came to a point where, oh, the line now cuts off where I live. So, now you have to go to Fort Barton. Oh. So, for second grade, I went to Fort Barton. Then I went to third third grade wow. in Fort Barton, fourth grade. Halfway through fourth grade, I literally, like, I love, to this day, like, so, this is a fun fact about me. My third grade teacher uh-huh. is, like, to this day, like, in my opinion, like, yeah, she she meant so much to me, and Mine she actually like awesome believed too. in me, yeah. and she was like a good human being. Oh, Not like certain teachers where you just are like you just hate your life when you're around <laughs> them. Um, but my fourth grade teacher, she was like the new, young, blonde like teacher that barely had any experience, and like I'm so used to having like these teachers who were like, you know. Um, what's it called uh Tenured. grassroots and they're like yeah they're like hard workers and stuff like that and so i had like this teacher that like yeah all the little boys had probably crushes on but she wasn't she was like a, a snobby like oh, person yeah. that was really into herself and so um i used to have so much trouble with her not like not like um not like a conflicting trouble but like i just was having issues like learning what she was teaching because she um she taught the weirdest things. Um, I don't know. So I know I don't know how you were taught multiplica- multiplication, but I was not taught the structural normal way. There's a form of multiplication called lattice. Okay. It is the dumbest thing ever, and I will definitely show you on a piece of paper later how you stupid it is. I will show it to you. You have to draw. You don't. You don't. You know. It's so stupid. So 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 That's I was so struggling bad. with like multiplication and little Aww. things like that, and my mom was like being like, hey, like. You know, when I learned multiplication as a kid, it was pretty straightforward. Like, how come, like, my son isn't being taught that? She's like, oh, this is, like, the new thing, and, like, it's going to take over, and blah, blah, blah. And my mom was just like, you are crazy. <laughs> like, you're crazy. And, like, my my teacher at the time, I won't name her, but she was like, yeah, Jeffrey just, you know, he doesn't, it's, you know, he's just not going to understand it, like, the old way, so we're trying to do this new thing. And it, I was, like, offended at that. Yeah. So my mom was like, that's it. Like, I'm taking him to, like, a different school like we're like taking this up to the freaking um superintendent or the principal or someone i can't remember principal probably and um so i went to then non-quit for the remainder of fourth year fourth grade um then i went to tiverton middle school which was one middle school for the entire town so if you went to the four elementary schools like you all went to the same middle school um which started at fifth grade and then um did two and a half years there then i moved then I moved. I literally got out of the state, and then we went. I lived in uh, Richmond, Virginia, for two years. So I did, um, uh, I did middle school in Tiverton, Rhode Island, uh-huh. Portsmouth, Rhode Island. I moved for a little bit, and then we moved to Richmond, Virginia. So I had three middle schools. Then after we moved to, he moved here in two thousand six. Um, I begged my parents for homeschooling. So I was just oh. like, I am tired of going to a new school every year oh. and meeting new people and starting all over. And like, you have like a different wardrobe and you have to like adapt like personality and you almost become so like, hard. it's almost like I became like schizophrenic or something. Cause I was like trying to like always change and always be different. And so I hated that. So I begged for homeschooling. And so what's funny about Texas is that Texas is very open about homeschooling. Like mm-hmm. they're very cool with it. 
And uh, where I grew up, homeschooling was very frowned upon. <laughs> and I, I am curious. I'm, I, I don't know how if you've ever like heard any like negatives about homeschooling from outsiders, but like that's the sense I got is that people oh, frown on it outside of Texas, but outside of I don't know. I just feel like they think it's like beneath real education, which is so silly to think of. Yeah. Did you have like any any issues <laughs> when you went into middle school, like of people being like? No, you you were just perfectly fit in. Yeah, and not that I really remember, to be honest. Um, like I mean, I think I guess getting integrated as far as friends, like I had like a few, just a set, small group of friends that I felt like I was able to connect with. Smart. Um, for the most part, and actually some really good friends that I'm some that I'm still friends with today, and um, but like as far as like the teachers or the principal, I don't. And I guess maybe my parents would know for sure, but I don't remember feeling like there was any issue. Like, you know, what is she coming in with and what are her, you know, what do you have as proof that she's learned certain things? Um, I think I remember taking a couple of tests. Yeah, (laughs) like it it seemed pretty, unless, you know, I was just a kid. So maybe I wasn't really aware of, you know, what was happening behind the scenes per se. But it didn't, it never felt like that, like like it was an issue, which is probably a good thing. Um, if anything, I felt like I went in probably ahead of some of the kids that I was with. Yeah. So I ended up getting put into like the AP, the pre AP classes. Oh, good for you. Um, not I'm like not like bragging or anything, but just no, saying. No, I was a, I was you a, know, like I was a uh, like sometimes a, homeschool kids. You actually get to focus more on school because you're not focused on oh well who's gonna be my friend and right. who's holding hands on the playground and you right. know like. You're just focused on getting your schoolwork done so you can do other things. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I won't deny that I was, um, I didn't take my education super seriously. I was the proverbial B student, like just, yeah. you know, getting Bs and never really excelling and doing amazing work. Just get, just barely, just get by, you know, that was my <laughs> way of looking at it. That's so uh, funny. I was the opposite. Like in elementary, I remember being in first grade. And maybe even through second grade, but whenever we did, and I don't know if this was how it is up north, but, or at that time, but we had handwriting, like a time, like, I feel like it was like at least an hour a day or two, every two days where we'd focus on just penmanship and like we had to write within our little book and then the letters were like kind of outlined. Yes. And and you had to fit it in the lines. And and I was so like meticulous about it that i would erase holes in my paper because it wasn't perfect wow. and so my parents had to give me pencils that didn't have erasers wow because i was so like just like i had to have it unbelievable perfect. this was like as a six seven year old kid yeah um, i started uh <laughs> in second grade i remember that's how they started yeah. but they actually it was it was the handwriting thing that you're talking about like the formal kind of mm-hmm. you know and cursive neat. cursive was awesome because yeah. and honestly like I think cursive is so beautiful. I do too. And so like, and I would always watch my grandma because my grandma, my grandma was on my dad's side. She was a a substitute teacher for like her whole life. And so she would always write letters to us like in the mail, just being like, you know, I hope you guys are well, hope the kids are well and blah, blah, blah to my mom and dad. And I would always like sneak it to like read it because I was just so fascinated with her, <laughs> her handwriting and cursive was so gorgeous. <laughs> and like the way she would write her name, Audrey, like so beautiful. Aww. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I want to be able to do that. So to this day, like uh, whenever I write anything handwritten, um, I'll use like a kind of straightforward writing. But uh-huh. whenever it's my 
my signature, I always do, I have to do everything cursive. It's so natural to me now. I can't even do like a regular G normally. It's like everything's <laughs> the cursive G now. I can't, it's I like, like so ingrained G. in me. It looks cool. It's it, it's like super epic. Yeah. It's like so many things going on. Like I would love to do calligraphy or take a class or something like yeah. that. Not that I have like time to do that right, right. now, but if I had the time, that would be cool. Yeah. For sure. I think, I think learning, I think learning cursive honestly was at such a young age was very cool because this was right before, even though I am the part of that millennial generation, I think it was cool to learn it before picking up the dang cell phone oh, and yeah. texting where now, now that is, no I don't one think does they teach cursive. from what I've heard. Yeah. Kids aren't being, and I'm glad taught. I'm like that last like so remnant or whatever of it, which is awesome. Like it's something I can hold on to for the rest of my life. Yeah. It's interesting because I hadn't really thought about it, but now everything is so digital. So even signatures, like there's e-signatures, like you're doing a lot <laughs> yeah. of digital signing just with, you know, right. your social or whatever. And so I, I guess maybe we're getting away from a time when people really need to have their own curse, you know, their signature yeah. in cursive. It's so weird. Um, because there's been times where I've written my name in cursive, just like the way I would normally sign. Yeah. And people will tell me like, wow, like that's a legit signature. I'm like, well, I mean, isn't I that learned. what it's supposed to learn? be? Yeah. yeah. Like I don't want this people is, to copy it. So that's the, the point. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's supposed to be supposed unique to, to me. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just so interesting, but I guess it's a sign of the times. Yeah, I used to, um, it's so funny because um, I used to think a signature when I was a kid, like when I used to think a signature, actually you had to, um, you know, use every letter in your name uh -huh. for a signature to be true. Like, because my dad would do like, his, his name's Robert, and, uh -huh. but he wouldn't do like a, he would just do like a big, like almost looking like a really rough looking R and then just a couple scribbles. Uh -huh. And then the Brooks, like a really rough, rough looking, like almost B almost. And then like a couple scribbles. Uh -huh. And I would always be like, like this it's not real. a signature. Like <laughs> I can't read that. No one can read that. Like, so but, funny. but it's funny that obviously as a kid, you think that, but growing up, it's like, yeah, it has to be uh distinctively like you it has to be like something that only you can do yeah that someone can't forge perfectly like that's what i think about that's what i like about it so unique about it yeah and um that's so funny um but you're, you're talking about uh education you're talking yeah. about schooling um what was that like like what was what was um what was like the things you were doing when you finally did transition into public schooling, like oh, okay. extracurricular activities or what were you, so, you know, actually like I remember doing at the time when I was in elementary school, I started playing the piano just for a few years. I started taking piano lessons, I think for maybe a year and a half at most. Maybe My goodness. Two. And then can you still play? Mm, a little like I can play by memory because that was the thing for me. Like when I played, I wasn't really reading the music. I just remembered the sound and I remembered where my fingers went. Yeah. And so I would just play by right. you know, by ear, really. And so like I think if I sat down, I could probably still play like the entertainer and maybe um, for release, like a few songs that I learned um, as an early or beginning the muscle memory. Uh, piano still there. Student. Yeah. And then through um, the years I was homeschooled. I still played the piano a little bit and I started studying uh, ballet. And then um, once I went into middle school, I kept up with the ballet, but I had to let, I had to choose between the two, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so now I'm like, gosh, I wish I would have known that I would be, that I'm doing today what I'm doing today because I probably would have stuck with music and not done something with dance yeah um but i loved dance and i still love dance i love singing and i love dancing 
Um, but I just with the expense of both, you know, I didn't we didn't grow up with a ton of extra money. We actually yeah. grew up kind of like I can relate to I think I was listening to Maddie's podcast and she was talking a little bit about that. But I can relate to people that, you know, was, you know, maybe through their elementary years and maybe even into middle school, like it was money was tight. Like yeah. that was definitely our situation. Yeah. Um. So I certainly couldn't, you know, keep up with two hobbies. Um. And then what I was doing was pretty minimal, like, you know, maybe once every couple of weeks. Um. But I stuck with the ballet and I studied ballet. We talked about this a little bit last time for eight years. And um, through middle school, um, I actually, it was interesting. I feel like I did a lot in middle school because I used to really like drawing. I meant to bring, I was going to bring a, a picture I drew of Storm um, from X-Men oh, in middle school. It's actually pretty good. Like you still have it. Yeah, I still have wow. it. I'll take a picture when I get home. And Is it like it all in nice condition too? Yeah. it's um, Like you didn't fold it up or no, anything? No. Oh, that's we, awesome. So the whole premise behind that art project um, was that we were making basically like a deck of cards kind of. Yeah. And so we each chose a um, our own figure or um someone to I don't draw know, I was gonna say character. Star Wars because I keep looking at this but we chose our <laughs> Some own Star Wars figure <laughs> we chose our own comic book character oh that's and, awesome um, and then we had like this deck of cards but probably about almost the size of this um board board Whiteboard. here yeah. yeah um and so we just you know had our our character and you so can she tell was I haven't mine. used it in a while <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was like that should be happy birthday Maddie's probably the closest yeah. now um, well, actually, Austin's will be close. So, yeah. Happy birthday, Austin. Well, it's because I did a, the Courtney one was on her Oh, birthday. her show. Oh, yeah. cute. I don't know if you've heard that one. I haven't listened to that one she, yet. She opens a bunch of presents. And oh. It's actually cool. Like, I get her reaction. Oh, awesome. that's fun. Um, I have to listen to yeah, that. Yeah, it's funny. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah. So, I was into drawing. Um, actually, um, you should I photocopy remember getting, it for me and, I will. and give me a copy. You know what? I'll frame you it. probably would really like it. So, I may just do that for you. Um, and so I was into drawing. I did um, actually drew, did a self-portrait that was uh, featured at a bank that was like near in our area around, I think it was Black History Month or something like that. And so they just needed artwork. And so they took mine. Um, Good for you. <laughs> so, yeah. So I remember just getting like being in a place where I thought, wow, like this is something I really like. And I, I think I'm pretty decent at it. Like yeah. I've gotten a few, you know, awards from it. And then I also did um, speech in middle school. Wow. And I did um, theater. I think it was my eighth grade year. And so we did UIL. And I remember um, I had no prior acting experience other than, you know, maybe right. just the little plays we did at the church as six and seven year old kids. But I mean, that's so minimal, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, not that eighth grade is that much, I guess, more monumentous, but still. Um, I felt a little bit of pressure when we did the competition with the UIL group and I ended up winning, um, I can't remember if it was the second or third place, but I won some type of award for yes. my portrayal of, I think I was a grandmother or something. Yeah. Like, I don't even remember. So it's, yeah. So it's funny like to think back, like I used to do, I guess the, everything I did at that time was there was some creative element. That's so awesome. Um, and so it's kind of neat to look at how the Lord, you know, ties in all those things. And I think he's going to use it all. Um, and then I did, I wasn't super athletic. I think I got a B in, in gym class. What a but, shock. Uh, <laughs> Cause you're like ripped from marble. Yeah. It's just uh genetics. Lucky. <laughs> really blessed. 
Um, but I did track and Hashtag field. Bliss. I remember one season. I'm like, I did a lot in middle school. Um, and I remember I actually hurt. I think I hurt my hip or something whenever we were doing the the oh, hurdles. You and Austin. The hurdles so are hard. Oh, my gosh. Austin has like this weird hip thing, too. Yeah. And it freaks me out it, when he does it because it makes a clicking noise. Yeah. And I'm like, stop it. Stop doing that hip yeah, thing. Yeah, mine makes a clicking noise sometimes, too. And it's I think it all stems from when I did the hurdles in middle school. Um, and no then stretching. Yeah. <laughs> and you would think as a dance, since I was in dance, you I should have been stretching. But, um, so, yeah. So that was, I guess, that whole scene. And then um, on into uh, high school. So I ended up, I could have gone to my home high school, which was Roosevelt. Okay. But instead, I auditioned for um, NISA, Northeast School of the Arts. And so I went there um 2000 through 2004 okay. and um i think at that time the school nisa was still relatively new i want to say maybe that was its third or fourth year of being in existence i think um and so it, it's neat just to see now like it still exists and i know that there's still um there's even some students that go to summit that go um that are part of nisa as well and that whole experience was great i think it really helped me to actually step outside of my comfort zone and be okay with being in front of people and be confident in it as well um i think i also had a couple moments too of extreme embarrassment that probably helped as well but it's funny i think it's good sometimes for us to like have those moments because it makes you it helps you remember you're human and you're not perfect but i remember like one day we did um i think we were auditioning for one of the upcoming musicals and we had to go across the stage and like do a, what's called a grand jeté in dance. It's basically like splits in the air. Okay. And so I remember like prepping to do mine, and I felt pretty confident about what oh, I was gonna no. do. And I totally like beefed it, tripped, and I don't even remember if it was before or after I got into the air, but I totally like tripped oh, no. it and fell, and it was just a mess. <laughs> oh, no. I was still a part of the musical because they knew I could dance since they had accepted me into the school, yeah. and I went through all those auditions but i remember like just a huge thud you know <laughs> it's like what are you gonna do um and then gosh i had all my falls like in high school i remember Andrea there was drop <laughs> <laughs> it was like you know you can oh you can hear a pin drop it's like you could hear an Andrea oh my drop. gosh that's funny it's like, oh no <laughs> um and then i remember like there was one year in high school walking outside on the stairs so lee at that time um Robert Lee is an extremely old school, so that's where Nisa is based. I find this fascination so of is, naming um, schools after historical yeah, figures. We didn't have that. Oh, up north? It was north? just the town. Oh, yeah. Sheridan High School, that's it. <laughs> I guess that's probably a Texas thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, that school has been around for a long time. Like, I want to say back in the 40s, at least the 50s. Wow. Um, because I had friends that whose parents had graduated from Lee in the 50s. Yeah. But um, because it's such an older school, like, there were parts, to me at least, of the school that just were not probably up to par. So, like, we had stairs outside that were, like, this super slippery tile. And when it rained... People like me were falling. And so I remember like falling down the stairs and like I literally like bounced Uh, down with my backpack. Bounce, bounce. And yeah, really, really bad for my back. Ouch. Um, So yeah, I had a lot of experiences like that in high school, I think, that were good because I think, again, it helps me to remember I'm just human. Yeah. Um, But uh, at the same time, too, like being in that environment, 
um, around other like-minded creative people, it, it really helps to stir something up in you. I think, um, you know, and it's not even just, a, it's not even a sense of competition, at least not for me. Right. It was more like, this is awesome. Like there's other people that love like doing this, this and they're amazing at yeah. it. And I get to do this with them. Like right. this is fun. Right. So instead of doing volleyball and track and things like that and gym, we got to take dance classes, which I loved. And um, that I did that the f- entire four years. And the girls that I danced with, the, and it was mostly girls actually our year that we graduated. Um, I still keep in touch with most of them for the most part through social media, right. but not like we don't you know talk on the phone or anything like that per se. But if we run into each other out and about, like we'll definitely you know take a moment to catch up and yeah. chat a bit. Um, I have to cut you off. Go um, for we gotta, it. We gotta talk about so many things. Talk I've been about? waiting. I've been okay. like, I'm, I'm just like, trying to like zoom through it. <laughs> no, because to me, I'm great. like, this is boring. So let me zoom. Oh no, 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 no! It's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Okay, so real quick. Uh huh. So I'm gonna mention a, um, the first one. Really stuck out to me. Uh, <laughs> drawing. Yeah. I love to draw. Do you really? Yeah. Um, That's funny. Now, uh, this is a this is hilarious. But when I was a kid, like first second third grade i was actually good yeah at drawing and, and then what happened and, and this is the funny thing is that <laughs> as i got older i started doing it less and less and then when i started to pick up a pencil it was almost like it was so alien and foreign to me then mm. and i remember i asked my dad because my dad is actually really good at drawing and i think i might have got a little bit from him yeah and i would ask ask him about it i was like hey i i used to draw now i can't what's going on he's like you lost your touch that's what he said <laughs> he's like you lost your touch and so I always do the rest of my life whenever I start sucking at something, I guess I lost my touch. Oh, no. <laughs> um, but um, like, oh, I can't make a basketball anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I uh, I used to love drawing. And it was so, I think what's so cool about drawing is that it's so um, expressive of just like creativity of yeah. like anything. Like I just love that free form creativity that you can just cycle through. And just whatever you're thinking of, you'll draw it. And you, if you really love it, you'll like take the time to like be neat and like color it or whatever. Yeah. I think it's just so fascinating that like people almost like kind of look past it. Like it's such a difficult thing. And like I really respect people who are good at it because it's just like so fascinating. Yeah. No, totally. It's amazing. There's actually um, an artist I saw on Facebook maybe last week and he's. I think he's from Africa, but he has these incredible still life paintings of um, children in Africa. And um, he does, I think his focus is the children and then also water. So it's interesting. um, They interviewed him, but his paintings are incredible. Like people are comparing him to like some of the greats um, that would seem like hard to even imagine comparing someone to them, but, right. um, but it's just so real. Like they, it's incredible that he's been able to capture, um, the essence of reality in yeah. a painting. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of feel like, I don't know if maybe I've lost my touch a little bit also because I haven't drawn in so long. Um, and it's funny, like sometimes I see like a blank canvas, like if that was a blank canvas, you instantly like want to draw on it. You want to do something. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm like the same way. Something. But then at the same time, I remember feeling a little intimidated too. Like, what am I going to do with this? There's so many, there's so many things I can do. Yeah. You know, like how to, where I start. But once I felt like inspiration or I knew where, 
where I was going or what I wanted to create, then it was like, okay, game on, you right. know? So yeah, it's I, fun. I'll have to take some pictures of the things I've drawn oh, in the past. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I used to love, um, when I was a kid, what I did was I would draw, you know, the cartoon characters of shows oh, that yeah. I watched. So like when I was a kid, I'm like drawing like Rugrats characters or I'm drawing like just random things. I loved doing it. Yeah. I loved it. And, um, and then as I got older, it became again, more of the stuff that I was only into. So I'm not I'm not drawing like free creative expressive stuff like a forest in a wilderness like I'm just drawing things that I like so it's just like <laughs> the nerdy stuff that I grew up with and um and I used to just you know I used to just be in love with that and um and then the the other one I wanted to jump on real quick was um drama department Mhm because you were like you were so harsh on yourself like oh like i didn't have any like experience and it's like well you gotta start somewhere so I, don't true. be so harsh on yourself my goodness um especially if it's your first day um but uh so you mentioned that you started um you know doing uh drama classes mm-hmm. in eighth um grade. eighth grade and it's funny because i did the same thing i oh. in uh, what was it for me it was seventh grade though yeah and in seventh grade i I remember there was like um, the drama department and I wasn't into acting or anything, but I wanted to do something different than what I was trying to do. I was at that place at that point in my life. I still was trying to find myself like yeah. I think all teenagers. are. Oh, yeah. And so like I tried. Like, um, I and yeah, like I was in I, I was in um, obviously I did uh, sports all growing up, which is hilarious that I bring that up because so my. So living in New England, like the one thing like that I can tell anyone that doesn't know much about it is that it's a big sports, like obviously like when you come to Texas, everyone loves football. Like it's like a big thing. Well, up there, it's not, football is big and basketball, it's, you know, it's whatever. Hockey's big, whatever. But up there, the biggest thing is baseball. Oh, okay. It's the biggest thing. Wow. And um, probably the most popular thing because of there's just such a history to baseball uh technically baseball started in cooperstown new york but it's just evolved uh, all throughout and it's like got such a pastime with that area yeah um but so when i was a kid i would i would play basketball i play baseball i play football i play every sport except for soccer oh, okay um my dad absolutely refused to have me play soccer Why? because to my dad <laughs> soccer was a girl sport oh my gosh that's funny and so because there's like little to no contact well depending yeah, and so it was hilarious. All my <laughs> friends who were guys, they're all playing soccer, and they're like, how come you're not playing soccer? And it's I'm so like, funny. and I wouldn't tell them why because I was too embarrassed to admit that the reason why I'm not doing it is because my dad thinks y'all are girls. Oh, no. So, I actually played soccer in fourth grade. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's not going to criticize you. You know what I mean? But anyways. It's funny, though. So I did all these things, <laughs> and I loved basketball. I loved baseball. I loved football. I loved these things, but then I eventually just grew out of it. And I was like, you know what? These aren't for me. Like, yeah, I can get by and I can function, but it's just not my passion. Yeah. Um, then I joined orchestra. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Played a, a viola for two really? years. Yeah. It was funny. And the only reason I picked the damn viola was because <laughs> every, uh, the, I looked at the picture of the, so you got the four instruments. You uh-huh. have the violin, you have the viola, you have the cello, and you have the bass. I looked at the picture and I was like, 
why is like the viola and the violin literally the same thing except the only difference is the viola is like two inches bigger so i was like okay i'm gonna go for the bigger one it was that was the only reason and i also remembered that everyone who was in orchestra played violin and i was like what makes y'all so special violin ain't that cool it's two inches smaller you know what i mean um but uh i'm obviously joking but Played viola for two years and I, I loved it and That's cool. um had fun with that. But again, I hated performing. I hated and when I say performing, whenever we did like the stuff for our parents, like those little things, I just didn't like it. Like the nervousness really got to me. Yeah. I would have like weird anxiety and freak out. So I just knew that like, that wasn't my thing. And then I uh, went to middle school and I tried to do um, band and I did trombone for a year and I hated oh, wow. it. I just did it because I didn't want to be doing I other played trombone. My little brother played trombone. Yeah. I think it was trombone or something like that. Yeah. I never is hilarious because <laughs> um, you could tell my heart was not in it at all because I never practiced. Like <laughs> I would literally just like show up and literally just like copy whoever was next to me. Oh like gosh. totally like just unashamed, just like straight up like, oh, okay. And um, my, my teacher, Mr. Burns, I think think his name mr burns i think and he uh-huh. called he used to call me out and he would know like he could see like how obvious it was like clearly you're not practicing clearly you're not like <laughs> doing your thing and um he made me one time this is a true story he actually made me uh come up to the front and conduct um a song oh wow super no pressure at all intimidating um, not only because I don't know the music, I don't know how to read sheet music clearly, and I'm not taking it very seriously. And so he wants to use it as like a way to like embarrass me. Yeah. And I totally deserved it. But somehow by literally like the <laughs> grace of God, I somehow conducted this it. team to the point where he was like, oh my gosh, okay, you, go actually, sit down you actually did it. Like what the heck? That's funny. Um, I literally just remember, and obviously the podcasters can't see it, but I'm like lifting up my hands and I just remember I'm just like doing the motions Uh and like everyone's playing and I'm just like doing the motions and then like songs over and like he was stunned (laughs) and I just literally BSed it. Like I didn't, there was no strategy or anything. I just like pretended I knew what I was doing and somehow it worked out for me. (laughs) After that year, I gave up on band. I was like, this music isn't my thing either. Like I really my 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 dream actually was to learn to play the drums. Because really? when I was a kid, I love I've always loved the drums since I was a kid. Um, but you never the only, t- attempted well, it. Yeah, well, it's funny because back in back then, I did eventually get a drum set, and my mom was going to a church, or we were going to a really small church at that point, and my mom sung on the choir, and mm-hmm. so she. She knew like some of the people on the worship team. It's so funny saying this now back then because like I wasn't involved in church. So like when you think of when you're some, when you're someone who just attends, yeah, you think of like this worship team as like these really glowing like people that are just like beyond the realm of That's humanity. So and then you meet them and you're like, oh, they're just people. people. They're just people. Yeah. Oh, wow. This is like weird. <laughs> um, so she she became friendly with the drummer. Mm-hmm. And she was like, my son's really interested in learning. Like, would you be willing to teach him? Like, we'll pay you. And would you come by like once or twice a week? We'll pay you. And like, could you teach him? He started teaching me for two months and I learned fundamentals and everything. And it was awesome. Yeah. And then like 
after the two months, like I, we just kind of lost contact with him. We were <laughs> like, what the heck happened to this guy? <laughs> and uh, we had no idea what happened. Oh, and so my weird. mom was so cheap as a human being, like, and I'm saying that openly, like she, she can't deny it. That's why, like, that's She's why. frugal. Yeah. Frugal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't let me go get lessons, like from like a little school or a studio or anything, uh-huh. because a, she wanted me to learn from a Christian, which shows you how, like, she was just super, like, close-minded. <laughs> and she wanted me, and she obviously is looking for a way to, like, not spend a lot of money. <laughs> and so, like, she clearly didn't believe in that dream that I had Aww. so much because she's like, well, I'm only going to get this worship guy, this drummer at a worship team uh, to teach you, and there's no alternatives. Like, if it falls apart, it falls apart. It's too, too bad. It wasn't meant to be, you know? That's so funny. Uh, I ain't spending any money at a school for your drum lessons. <laughs> so that was always my dream, and I never, like, fulfilled it. So it was just one of those things where when I was younger, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And so I was just really – I think I got – what inspired me in life was – and this is really going to, um, you know, this is where I got to pull out my nerd card one more time because I haven't <laughs> done that already. Um, when I was 13, I saw um, Batman Begins. Okay. And which is, is the first Christian Bale one. So that's the one that has like Liam Neeson in it. And oh. Ray, uh, Katie Holmes is like the love interest. You were only 13 when that came out? Uh, so, yeah, because... Gosh, um, you're so young. 2005. I was just about to turn. <laughs> I was just about to turn 14. So that's I was so crazy. like a month away from being 14. I don't know if that movie was that old. 2005, yeah. June 2005. And wow. I remember I saw it. And I just remembered like when it was over, like instantly in my mind, I was like, that's what I want to do. Like, this is what I want to do with my life. That's so cool. And um, <laughs> not not make a Batman movie, not not star in a Batman movie, but just make a movie. And, like, be able to uh, have that moment where someone can sit in a crowd and just, like, be inspired. Like, that's what I kind of wanted to do. Like, almost, like, just, like, pay it forward. Like, that's what I want to do. And so that's when I realized that, like, the world of, like, um, videography or the world of um, digital video um, medium mm-hmm. is like my uh, strengths and it, honestly I never I didn't uh, get any training for it I kind of just knew I was naturally good at it like I just felt like God gave me an eye and yeah. it just kind of just like naturally like happened That's awesome. and um I just love it, and I I picked up the ball and ran with it, and I had so much fun doing it, and I still have fun doing it, and so I'm slowly over time, I've been, like, learning things and developing skills and, like, just, like, sharpening my craft, and I've fallen in love with editing. It's, like, one of the coolest things ever to be able to tell a story, (laughs) like, to be able to have the freedom to tell a story however you want um, and not be limited by anything except your own imagination. Yeah. Um, so I honestly, um, say all of that to say like the arts, like you said, like they're so fascinating. Like you were, you were learning piano and then you did drama and you were doing ballet and you were doing like all these things, but it's like art. Yeah. And it's like anything that has to do with the arts is like so fascinating. Yeah. It's like super intriguing and it's just something that older generation people I don't think understand because they grew up and it was like you get out of high school and you go work a job or develop a skill and it seems like nowadays like they frown upon art because 
it's like, oh, that's not, not a, a solid job. way to make money or yeah. whatever. And it's like, no, it really like it could be. It's like actually like you should people should encourage it because it's like honestly like an easier thing to pursue than trying to like like force yourself to like work a, a sawmill or something like that. You oh know what gosh, I mean? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I was so fascinated with what you were saying. So you're, you got through eighth grade. Yeah. And you finished and obviously you were doing ballet still. Um, and you're kind of going through, you eventually does. So does high school start for you at ninth grade? Like it did for mm-hmm. me. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cause I was just curious. Yeah. Cause, um, Oh, that's what it is. It's middle school. That's different yeah. for certain people. Yeah. Sixth, seventh, eighth. Okay. middle school here so i went to public school middle school seventh and eighth grade and yeah. then um all through high school so what were what was what was life like in high school and I, it doesn't have to be specifically school life could just be in general like what were you what were you doing and what were you kind of enjoying and what were you living well with and through and um so i've always been kind of the person or personality that's very um ask for permission instead of ask for forgiveness. So usually like kind of abiding by the rules and, you know, maybe even the whole goody two shoes kind of a thing. I think I'm sure a lot of people thought that of me in high school, Um, especially like as a freshman and a sophomore. But um, but yeah, I I feel like going through high school, I probably like a lot of students like still figuring out like, what am I going to do after high school? And what am I really passionate about? And what am I good at? And Um, I was really focused on dance and I really thought like, you know, this, maybe this is the direction I want to go down. And, um, I actually didn't do musical theater. And now looking back, I, I kind of wish I would have considered it because with Nisa, basically they have you major in a particular field. So mine was dance, but I could have been a double major. I could have done dance and musical theater. Um, there's also orchestra, I think cinema, um you probably would have really loved the cinema program actually um and then they have i feel like there's even something with oh there's a tech you can do tech so like so your building musical sets theater if you double majored and did musical theater it would have just kind of been like um like i would have done so my classes that were my extracurricular classes yeah. wouldn't have just been dance i would have done like vocal lessons or like okay. acting classes and so i did i took one acting class there um I think my senior year for like one of the credits I needed and I don't think I ever took any of the singing uh, classes there at Nisa but um or took vocal lessons there but um but I did drama or I did one drama class and and then the rest of it was mostly dance I don't think I did any art in high school I don't not that I can remember at the moment but um but yeah I I kind of wish I would have done something with musical theater now because I think looking at, especially at that moment in time, I kind of figured, well, if I go down the route of being a dancer and I hurt my ankle, break a toe, whatever, that's it. It's the end for the career or whatever. And it's like, it's hard to think that way too, because it's like, you don't want to limit yourself. I mean, what if every athlete thought that, you know, then we wouldn't have any professional athletes. So the reality is sometimes you just have to go for it and just, you know, hope and pray for the best. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I was really focused on dance. Um, trying to think what else. I was pretty involved with church ministry stuff and uh, with the youth group. I actually didn't start singing on the worship team until... Um, Were you singing a part of the bridge? 
Yes. And sooner than that, right? Oh, yeah. A lot sooner? Yeah. Okay. So I was definitely part of the bridge um, the entire four years. And um, I started singing with the youth band. I think I want to say I was like maybe 16 or 17. Okay. I may have been going on 17. And so for I feel like that's kind of late compared to some of the others that started when they were like 12 or 13. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, we have some that started really wow. young. But I, I still, at that point or that age, I didn't feel confident in my singing ability to really feel like that's what I was supposed to be doing. Did you like, feel like you were holding back or something? Um, I think I was just still a little shy and yeah. not confident in being in front of people. Okay. And, and then also, I feel like singing there's a different level of vulnerability compared to like it's, it's dance and acting. Yes. Because it's you, it's like, it's your, your sound that's coming out. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's just totally a different level of vulnerability. I think like if you screw up dancing, it's easier to look past than if you screw yeah, up singing. I, I kind of think so. For sure. And it's easier for people to not even know you messed up. Right. Like, you but can if you're singing, it. Again, you're vulnerable, yeah. but like you're most exposed because everyone is hinged on that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And then especially if you're singing a song that people know, right? And then it's like, oh, it doesn't sound like that song, yeah. you know. Um, so through high school, um, like the I guess freshman sophomore year, I wasn't really involved with the worship team, yeah, until later. Okay. So it's kind of interesting. I look back on it, um, and then I remember being like a senior. Or maybe it was my junior year, actually, of high school. And um, I was friends with one of the girls that was a double major. So she was a senior that year, and she was musical theater and dance. And we were in the back uh, wings of the the theater. And um, she said, I think I was just, like, singing a Nora Jones song or something, just kind of humming it, like, softly. I wasn't even, didn't realize anybody was really around. And she walked past me, and she's like, oh, my gosh, like, you Why didn't sing. you ever? Yeah, like yeah. you should have been a part of musical theater. And I just told her, like, I didn't. I never really thought about it. Like, I just, I, I don't think I saw myself um, being gifted in that way to where it made sense for me to step out into yes. that. Um, so I think it, it's interesting looking back on my life. Like, I can see moments in time where I think at, either out of fear or maybe, yeah, maybe mostly fear, fear of the unknown or fear of man, like being afraid to try something new or yes. different. Because I'm thinking, well, I may not measure up or yeah. I may not be good enough for that. Or um, I don't know. It's just so silly like, yeah. to think that way. But there's definitely been times in my life where I went through that. I um, it's this is a fun, funny thing. But I love I actually love to sing. Like, I love Do it. Do you? Yeah. Um, oh, now that's uh, cool. what's so funny is um, that's kind of that moment you had of the humming the song thing mm -hmm. like happened to me once where or it happened to me a couple of times. But at the church where a long time ago, I'll never forget, I was in the NPR and I was just like singing something to like randomly just like in a chair. I was just like randomly singing something. And I remember, uh, I'll never forget, like this was like one of the nicest things, but I never forget David Rocha was sitting behind me and he was like, and, and I know <laughs> like people people like to be nice but like he i i believed him in in true genuineness that because he was saying like he was like oh wow like you should try out like you should sing i was like what the heck like that's so <laughs> out of like what i want to do yeah but i just like to do it and then i'll never that's forget cool. there was another time where 
I was it was like a big worship night. I think you were there. It was in the church and I was um in the NPR and it was like one of those like where it's like worship is like twelve songs long and uh-huh. it's just like it's going and I just remember I can't remember but I remember I was mixing or something. Austin was there, a bunch of people were there. I remember I was mixing and Dave, this was when David Blazer still worked at Summit. Uh-huh. And I remember he was standing next to me just kinda like so he could kinda critique it or look at it all overall and just see kinda how it was going. And I remember there was a song that was being sung by y'all and the words are on the screen. So I'm like singing too, but like <laughs> I'm in the back. So I know that if I project, like no one's going to hear it because mm-hmm. I'm like so separated from everyone. And so I'm naturally a loud person anyway. So if I'm going to sing, I am going to sing louder. Yeah. Um. And David Blazer was like standing right next to me. He's like, and he like whispers in my ear and he's like, you, you, you can sing. Like <laughs> you can sing. You should try out. You should, you can sing. And I was like, and I was just like, kind of looked at him like, uh, thanks. Like, <laughs> and uh, like, I didn't know how to react. That's and, so funny. But I was. Now I'm like, I want to hear you sing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely not right now. Definitely <laughs> at a different time because I'm like exhausted You're right too now. Tired. I'm just like, <sighs> I know. I'm actually, I feel like the, the tiredness is hitting it's me. It's clocking in right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, how about this? Um, let's, let's start heading towards the end. Okay. So let's get out of, um, so let's college. get out of school. And let's kind of transition okay. to like where life is taking taking now. you then to now kind of. Cool. So um, I'm only going to backtrack just a bit because I it. think it connects with now. <laughs> no, go for it. But um, I remember when Darlene Check came to Eagle's Nest. Yes. Um, at least to, I think it was the first time. It was the first time I remember her being there. And I was 11 going on 12. And um that was when I really made that decision like for myself to follow Christ. And I remember being like six years old and um, accepting Jesus as my savior. But I really felt like at that time, like looking back, you weren't really I was, cognizant. Of right. It. And I did it because all my little friends did it. And, and it's like, parents yeah, we all are raise like, yeah, together, you know, right. and we all go do this together. But it wasn't personal. Right. And I remember being in a worship um, night with Darlene leading worship at Eagle's Nest. And I was sitting down in between my parents, like, just like, when is this going to be over? You know, uh, why are these people raising their hands? Like, I just didn't get yeah. it. And then she started to share and it was just so genuine and the anointing was so real. And even though I didn't know what all that was and what it necessarily meant, I just knew it was different and it like clicked and I got it. And um, she um, did an altar call or had an altar call. And so I went up to the front and um, just decided, you know, I need to do this and I need to make this decision for myself and really know what's happening in me making this decision. And so I did that. And I really feel like it's interesting because from that point forward, it was like I saw the Lord so much more um, just in a different way. Like he was my personal savior and my Jesus. You know, it wasn't just my parents, um, you know, faith, but it was mine. You know, I grabbed hold of it. Right. And then um, also the connection with worship. It's such a huge part of um, I feel like who I am and what I do and, and not just in singing, but really in how I, I live. Like I do have that desire to live a life that is um, just as unto the Lord. I'm not perfect in any way, no, no, no <laughs> but um, but I feel like it's neat to kind of look back on that and um, and just that impact and influence that she had on me at that age. And yeah. I don't know her and I pray. I'm like, well, I hope one day I get to meet her. But, it was so um, cool to see her on the video today. Yeah, that was, I was awesome. Like, Wait, what? And I watched last night the live stream. And she wasn't on right. it. Right. And yeah. so I was like, hey, you guys we had some, some surprises. Yeah. That was nice that y'all did it yeah. that way. 
Um, and so that was really cool, um, having that experience. And then now I'm in a place where, so I haven't danced in what, 12 years, <laughs> I think, what is this? 26. Yeah. So this will be my 12 may will be 12 years since I graduated high school. Oh, that's Whoa. weird. It is so weird <laughs> to say that. Oh my gosh. Cause then that's like, yeah, that's crazy to think kids that were, um, like, I don't even know in first, first grade. Yeah, yeah, they're seniors now. Yeah. That is so crazy. Creepy. Um yeah, wow. Um but anyways, um I'm just in a place now where I I'm able to I think explore more of what the Lord has for me and just being open to whatever that looks like. So right now I'm working in the financial industry. I work for um an amazing company here in San Antonio. They really or, are. Uh based here in San Antonio. Really thankful to work for USAA. Um, it's just been a blessing. I've worked there for five years now and, um, actually work with our members and I work with our members over video chat. So it's kind of like Skype, but they have currently, (laughs) yeah, but better. Um, we come through high def, high definition cameras, so real nice. Um, and so it's really neat to kind of be the face of USAA and have the opportunity to work with our members in uh, such a personal way, um, as opposed to just being over the phones, you know? And I've learned a lot in the the time that I've been there. I've had a lot of great opportunities come my way there. So super thankful for that. Um, And then I'm super involved still at at Summit and I love it. You know, I love being there. I love being a part of that family. And it just like, I can't. Gosh, we can't get you to leave. No. And I can't even (laughs) imagine like, gosh, like, I don't know how people don't go to church because like sometimes I'm driving to church in the morning and just looking at people, you know, like they're going to a restaurant or they're going to wash their car, or, right. you know, they're going to a movie or whatever. And it's like, I can't imagine not starting my week with just putting the Lord first in that right. way. Um, and not to say, I mean, obviously some people go Saturday nights, of course, but um, right. for me, like, I just like that sense of being like with Start my family yeah, on Sunday yeah. morning. Right. Um, and so I'm so thankful for that. Um, I've been a part of the worship team now since I was, I guess, about 16, 17 years old. But um, the, I guess, main, so to speak, worship team since I was about 19. Yeah. And um, I remember being approached by Mark Cosney at that time. He actually asked me what I thought about um, stepping up as a worship leader at that age of 19. And I actually said no. I declined because I really didn't feel like I was in the place to do that yet. Yeah. Um, I just didn't feel like it was the right timing. And I mean, I was definitely honored to be asked to step into that position, but I like, uh, respectfully declined, you know? And, and he said, well, whenever like you feel like it's the right time, just let me know. Yeah. And so, um, I remember I turned 23 and, um, I actually, um, I think it was the year before that. And then also that year I took a trip to Seattle to go to Casey Treat's vision, um, wait, no, leadership conference. I don't think it's called Vision. I can't remember what, maybe it was called Vision. I can't remember what it's called. But in, either way, um, I just remember going through like my early 20s and like just growing a lot in my walk with the Lord and like being in that place where I knew, you know, this is something I'm supposed to do. And so I followed up with Mark when I was 20, I think 22 going on 23. And I just <laughs> told him, you know, this is what I feel. And like, I think it's the right time. And if, you know, if yeah. you guys are still open to that and you feel the same way then i'm ready yeah and so i just dove in and i still remember um that spring when i got back 
it was literally like the weekend I got back from being in Seattle. Yeah. And I just remember like preparing and like listening to the worship set um, that entire week leading up to that first time of leading worship. And uh, it was really a special, special moment. I'm just so thankful I've had those opportunities. Definitely don't take it lightly at all. Yes. I did want to jump in because it's so <clears throat> fascinating, like um, from someone who stands on the outside kind of looking in. Um, the one thing I've noticed, um, what's so fascinating about you is that um, you're a person when you're on the stage, it's almost like... Um, you have no uh you have like full boldness and you have like no shame yeah and like i can't say that about everyone like i cannot say that like oh every single singer up there is like super bold and confident and like unashamed like i feel like that's what separates you because it's like it's like a there's a genuineness to it there's like a um a sense of like this is um this is the real deal like this is like super real right now and i you know i sometimes as again on the outside looking in we don't have the right to judge someone's heart sure because we don't know we don't know know the heart but we 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 have no choice but to kind of judge the fruit and kind of judge the kind of the 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 outward and kind of look at Oh, their you know their fruit is like saying this or showing this, and it's like, you know, some people I feel like I look at them and they I'm like, you look nervous or you look afraid or you look like um, tentative, and it's like I don't get that sense. Like I I get the sense of like um, you are not even like conscious of like anything around you. Yeah, sometimes is, I'm not. <laughs> which is awesome, and I wish everyone was like That's that. So funny because um, I remember there was a time at old eagle's nest where the camera guys they used to get really close to get close shots mm. and so one of the guys i won't say his name he's not even at the church anymore i know who you're talking he about got really close does his name start with an r yeah okay and, uh, <laughs> and i was jumping and then i like did something with my hand where i just brought it down real fast and i totally like hit him smacked him and i was okay but i think i like maybe did something to his camera but i was just like i'm so sorry like i had no idea yeah you were right there um, but yeah, I feel like a big part of that is, um, just growing like in my relationship with the Lord and like knowing this is who like I am and this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. And, um, and then also even when I'm not on stage, you know, when I'm at home many times I'm singing to the Lord when it's just me and him. And yeah. so it's just an extension of that, you know, the relationship I already have with him. Um, day in day out that's amazing it really should be an extension of that i feel that's when you're great. leading worship um and so it, it's like you, you want to have that balance of being sensitive to the congregation and, and you know what's happening what the lord's doing in that moment but then also being able to just like tap in like okay let me listen for your voice and what you're saying and what you're doing in this moment um so i'm not like distracted or wondering like what are people gonna think or what are they gonna say because it's like people are gonna think whatever they want to think at the end of the day regardless of whether i go full out and i do what i feel like the lord's showing me or telling me to do in that moment of worship or whether i hold back you know so it's like i might as well do it all for him yeah like i can sense it like if i'm not the only one like people can sense when people are being like real yeah and like I think the way you do it, though, is what makes it so awesome is you actually are encouraging 
normal people in the congregation. Not that you're not normal. You're encouraging the people in the congregation <laughs> to like do the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, because the people are looking at you guys and they're kind of using you as the example of like, well, they don't look super into it, so I'm not going to be into it. But sure. I think if you in in like give that sense of like, um, this is like the most important thing and this is like the biggest deal and yeah. like everything revolves on this moment, like it will open up people to receive that and do that themselves. You that's know what cool. I mean? Yes. And I agree. And I think that's like one of the beautiful things about being in that uh, position is that you do get to influence others and, um, in a positive way. Yes. Um, and it's neat. Like I've learned so much about even like working through, um, so I, I guess there was a time growing up, especially like when I first started leading worship or when people would compliment me, I would always just say, oh, it's just the Lord. You know, like I felt really weird saying thank you. And I don't even know why. I think some of it may have been because of maybe shame or whatever. But um, but anyways, like I feel like I've learned a lot about getting over that. And actually, Megan Gonzalez sent me an awesome um, just embracing text. Yeah, because, right, because God put that inside you. And then if you think about it, like in the workplace, I mean, if I did an awesome job on a project or something. You would say thank you. Right. Or you're welcome or whatever. Exactly. Like I wouldn't say, oh, it was the Lord. You know, like people would be like, It was the Lord who got me through that conference call. (laughs) Trust me. Yeah. (laughs) And so this was, I think, a quote actually from Corey Asbury. um, And he used to be a part of IHOP. And now he's, I think, in Colorado. But um, he says, when someone gives you a compliment, whether ministry related or otherwise, don't deflect with false humility, saying things like it wasn't me. It was totally God, because the truth is it was you and God loves that. He created you and he delights in you. You are made in his image. Instead, just simply say thank you. And in your heart, give him the glory and honor. True humility is in the heart, not the words. Yes. And I thought that's so, so true. good. You know, like um, we're honoring him when we acknowledge like what he's put in us and yeah. when we are giving him the glory for what Instead he's put in Instead of giving us. the lip service in public, yes. you're doing it like inwardly one-on-one. Right. Like the whole idea of like um, the idea of like, uh, I can't remember where, but I just know it's in the, the Sermon on the Mount, the idea of like, that the hypocrites like would pray like openly and outwardly to like be seen by men and like get attention like from people when it was like, but like the encouragement was like, when you pray, like go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who's unseen. Right. You know, like, and then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you because they've given, they've been given their reward by doing the whole public persona. That's their reward. Yeah. They got their reward. Exactly. And it's like, but there's so much, there's something even greater but when yeah. you make it personal and it's like no one else deserves to hear this other than you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, it's fun- so funny that you say like the whole encouragement thing because um, like uh, Anne-Marie, uh, uh, her last name is Bailey, Bailey right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, she uh, she encouraged me a long time ago because I remember when I, I talked to her and I was because she's she's amazing. Like yes. she's got she's, she's so awesome. wonderful. I love her. She's fantastic. And um, I was talking to her once and I remember being like you know, I'm, I don't like singing in a corporate setting because I get nervous and I, I'm always afraid that like the person next to me is like not, they're like listening to me and like, (laughs) or like whatever. And I would always be like, I don't, I don't like feel comfortable singing and blah, blah. And she'd be like, well, she's like, truthfully, 
um, when you don't sing, it's almost like a very disappointing thing because God is literally sitting there like wanting to hear your voice. Mm. Like he wants to hear you. He wants to, and he wants to hear just you. And like, if you're not singing, he's like sitting there going like, where's Jeffrey? Mm. Like, I can't hear Jeffrey. Like, <laughs> and I heard that and I was like, wow. That's like, cool. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. Like the idea that everyone is so unique. unique. It doesn't matter if you're literally tone deaf or if you have the greatest voice ever, like right. God wants to hear you. Yeah. And it's a sense of genuineness, not a sense of quality. Right. Um, he wants to hear the heart. You yeah. know, he doesn't want to hear the tonalness. He wants to hear right. like the heart come forward, which is so true. Yeah. You know, it's so, so true. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Um, yeah. That's so encouraging. And and I just, my desire is just that people would get that, you know, and yeah. even people that, whether they're new believers or unbelievers, but that they would get to that place where the scripture is very clear, you know, that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. So it's like, there's going to be a time when you won't have a choice, right. you know, like you're going to bow down before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And my just, hope is that I'd be You able, might as well do it willingly. Yes. And um, I, I just hope that I get to have that opportunity more and more to help lead people in that, um, that realization that this is the God we serve. He's alive. Yeah. And it's really, really incredible. Yeah. Um, that's, that's awesome that you say that. Cause when I was a kid, I was like you, when you said you, you know, we're saved at six or whatever. And mm -hmm. I did the same thing at five, but like, I didn't really have a relationship with, um, Jesus until I, um, went to rush Oh nine and had, and received literally like, um, the baptism of the Holy spirit with yeah. evidence of speaking in tongues that acts talks about. Yeah. And like, I literally remember at that day, like I heard like the tangible voice of God speaking to me and like, and it just gave me so much boldness and confidence that like it made Romans one sixteen so apparent, which is like the I'm not ashamed yes. of the gospel for it is the power of God to deliver men from stronghold. Yeah. And so um, like it made it so apparent to me because I was like I instantly after that I wanted to tell everyone you know, about Jesus. And it made, gave me a confidence and a boldness I never had, even though I've wow. been saved since I was five. Yeah. Like, yeah, I said the words. Yeah, I might have meant it as a kid sure. or maybe I didn't, who knows? Yeah. But, um, at that time I wasn't, like I was saying earlier, I wasn't really cognizant of who God was. I wasn't really like having a relationship and I was ashamed because I was always scared about what people thought. Yeah. Like if people were like, Oh, you're a Christian. Like, Ugh, I would always be that person that would like, never mind. Like I'm just going to hide in <laughs> a corner and not talk about it. Cause I'm so scared of yeah. what people think. Wow. But then when I got that baptism and it literally was the most humbling thing ever, because mm. it's it, the way it happened was almost like publicly speaking, it's embarrassing. Like yeah. the way it looks and the way you kind of it's like, I don't have control. You don't maybe. have control and people are looking at you and you might be just doing something like really <laughs> out of the ordinary. Yeah. And like, but it was super humbling because it made it so clear That's that so this awesome. was like the real deal. And like, this isn't just a thing that you pray. And this isn't just the thing you say. Like, this is like something so deep integrally inside of you. Yeah. And so, um, when I had that, I had that moment where I was just wanting to tell people, you know, everyone comes back from church camp all on fire, but mm -hmm. I literally came back like being like, I can't wait to tell people this. I cannot wait to wow. like keep living like this. Um, and so I think it's so fascinating to, awesome. to just kind of, um, kind of see you, uh, uh, grow. And obviously I don't, I don't say that as a condescending thing. I just mean that as like a, a truthful statement of like, 
we're all growing we're all we're all like getting higher up on the mountain and it's awesome and it's like a constant thing because sometimes you feel like oh i think i'm I think I've learned a lot. And then it's I like, think I oh, got no. this Christianity yeah. thing under like, control. I am. So I got more. it. Like even, um, and I wish I would have waited now to show you, but the picture, um, Selena Gomez leading worship at Hillsong LA, I think it was about a week ago now. Still and, pretty um, shocking. Yeah. Just it, it not definitely that, I don't, a surprise. I don't, I don't have anything <laughs> against her, but I just, you know, it's something you don't think of, you know? Yeah, definitely not. I was really surprised. And I, I got the picture. Um, someone sent it to me on Friday, which was April Fool's Day. And so, so it was a little hard to believe at first. Well, actually, I didn't even think about that until I sent it to Megan Gonzalez. And she was like, is this an April Fool's joke? And I said, you know, maybe it is. I, don't I didn't know. think about that. They staged it really well. <laughs> but uh, but it actually occurred, um, I think, like almost two weeks ago now. Um, it was, well, maybe a week and a half ago. But um, But yeah, she posted it on, Selena Gomez posted it on her Instagram feed. And um, she said it's, you know, her first time performing a worship song and uh, leading worship and and a song she wrote, uh, which I initially I feel like sometimes as believers, like it's easy to look at a situation like that and kind of feel like almost like the older son in the prodigal um, son story where it's like, what the, you know, like like, what? I don't get it. I never did that. Exactly. But I've just, the Lord's been showing me a lot over the last few days in that whole situation, because I feel like there's going to be so many more people like her, um, whether it's Katy Perry, maybe even Lady Gaga one day, but that the Lord's put something in them and he has a purpose for them. Yeah. And part of their purpose may look like something with ministry. It could, it may not, we don't know for sure, but, um, if it does, and if he wants them to be in that place and that's a part of the platform that he's given them ultimately for his glory, then it's awesome. It's an exciting thing. And it's neat to think the people that they have the potential to reach because of the platform that they are already on, that they've already been given, um, it's really, it could really be exciting, you know, just to see what would that look like, you yeah. know, for the Lord to just take over Hollywood or to take over um, the lives of these individuals that maybe seemingly on the outside, it looks like they're not necessarily living for him. Right. Um, but if they were to start living that life for him, what would that, what would that impact be? Yeah. You know, And really shake up the, the Christian circles too, yeah. of like the people who are super like stubborn and like, um, you almost can, you can become like now. a Pharisee and yeah. not even realize it, you For know. Real. Um, and then the reality is too that p- there's people in the church that are living a life that none of us are perfect. And um, you know, I was, I've talked to several people about this over the last few days because it's just really been something I've been thinking about a lot. But the reality that even present day individuals that are in positions of leadership in a church, whether it's a worship leader, pastor they stumble all the time, you know, and whether it's seen or unseen, you know, whether only the Lord knows, or they have, you know, come out to say that they struggled in an area either way. Um, none of us are perfect, but, um, I think sometimes when you have people, celebrities, their struggles or whatever they're going through, it's just blasted. You know, everybody sees it. Everybody knows they're living under a microscope basically. Um, so it's a lot easier to judge. Whereas, you know, those of us, just, you know, we we're kinda, not celebrities. We feel like we can get away with stuff right. or whatever. And so we can have current people that are, you know, leading worship that are, we think, 
holy and they're doing just as stupid stuff exactly yeah and it's like sin is sin at the end of the day and god doesn't categorize it right you know and he has a purpose for each of us so regardless of where we are today you know if we're far away from him he still has a purpose for that person just as much as he has for me right and jesus still suffered and died on the cross just as much for that person as he did for me i try to tell that to my friends who are who aren't christians or at least the ones who who are interested but they're just they don't like they want to know before they quote unquote like commit, like commit to something that they 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 never had. Yeah. So I always try to tell them like, you know, um, it's so easy for us to like, you know, um, say, well, how about why how how come this this pastor or this person how come they're quote unquote Christian and they're saved and they're living this way and they're doing this bad thing and it's like. It's never been based on us. Like I try to explain that to people who aren't Christians. Like it, it was never based on the performance that we did. Obviously, you know that I know that. Yeah. It was never based on that. It was always based on what Jesus did for us. And so, and it was, he was the only qualifying factor. Right. It's not like I get Jesus gets me in and my good works. It was right. never that. God doesn't design it like that. God designs it on you. Are either one hundred percent vindicated by what I did. Or you're 100% separated from me because you did not accept what I did. Right. Like you kind of refused it. Um, And honestly, ignorance is like, uh, ignorance is not a a justification because like, I feel like God makes himself known to everyone. I believe so too. And so. It may be in a different way, but yeah, I I believe so too. And I think that like our job is like, obviously to love people. Right. Like Billy Graham said it the best. Like it's um, God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, and it's our job to love. Yeah. Like, it's so true. That's really good. Um, because it is so easy for us to be in the natural to judge people. Yeah. It is so easy for us to act like we know it all and we have the right to convict people when it's, like, not our calling. Right. And it's not our place. Right. And it's, like, absolutely, like, the opposite of what God wants us to do. Yeah. Because we suck at it. It's so true. And there's, true. like, there's a reason why God says vengeance is mine. Right. Because he knows that, like we're going to take it too far and we're going to do, yeah. we're going to do the wrong thing and we're going to screw it up for ourselves. And he's the only perfect one. Yeah. Like he's really the only one that's worthy to judge. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's so interesting. Wow. Um, there was something else I was going to say about that. Um, but I kind of lost my train of thought. No, it's okay. <laughs> no, it's, that's what's so cool about the rabbit holes is that you just kind of talk about one thing and it leads to another. Yeah. But I, I I think now when I think back just on her and the situation of not situation but the um, picture um, and then the example of her being in that position potentially now leading worship and I don't know if it's something that's going to be a, a regular thing or if it was just you know a special occasion whatever but either way I think it's really it's really great it's really really good it's um, a testimony it is and like you think about it for the Lord Jesus I mean he what he went through like I was listening to someone talk about how like the passion of the christ like you know that movie great movie is so um it does give us it gives us an idea of what jesus went through but mel gibson apparently he even says it that like we held yeah like that what those people went through anyone that was crucified in that time the um the beatings and the um i think it's a cat of nine tails like that whole with the flesh being ripped off you could see organs because it was that like the um i guess it would penetrate that deep you know to pull skin and i just thought oh my gosh like 
Jesus went through so much for us. And it's like, you think about it, um, when any of us come to him, he's so happy to have us come to him. So even those that are the seemingly the furthest away um, from him, he's so happy to have them. And it makes so much sense. Like when you think of the, think of the prodigal son and that story and the father, like those of us who are believers, like we need to be like, like the father and follow his example and not the example of the older brother and really welcome these people as they, they come. Because I really think it's just the start. I think we're going to start to see more people, um, that are in Hollywood or in places of influence get saved and yeah. it's going to be really really cool but the church needs to be ready to accept them with open arms right and not pointing a finger of judgment be so harsh yeah yeah well you know what's funny is that like uh the bible even says that like um uh G- jesus was saying that by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned mm. and he was telling people that like um you know, he was telling people like, um, pretty much like, um, you will, ju- he said this, you'll be judged for every careless word you've ever spoken. Wow. And like, just imagine like the idea of that there are Christians out there who are like, I believe in the Bible and I believe in Jesus and yeah. he is like the son of God and like blah, blah, blah. And then meanwhile, they're like totally like saying these horrible things about other people. Yeah. There's like condemning people and being harsh and terrible. And it's like, Jesus like has forgiven you. Yeah. And he's forgiven them if they accept, obviously. Right. Um, who are you to then just be like, act like you're better because it's like, it's actually selfish of you to try to hog Jesus to yourself and not share with someone else. Yeah. And then you're going to, and Jesus is going to hold you to an account. Like, right. why would you say that about them? Like, I love that person. Right. Like, I wanted them to know me. And yeah. you had the opportunity to show me to them. And you didn't do it because you were too concerned about, you know, the bad things they did right. or whatever. So it's like everyone's going to be held to a standard. That's so you know, true. Especially pastors at a higher standard because they're shepherding sheep. Yeah. They have a higher standard. They have yeah. to feed the sheep. That's true. And so... I think Christians just need to shut their mouth sometimes, realistically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And just I think be so like, too. just like you were saying, like, look outside yourself and be like, no one's got it all together. Right. And Jesus wants everyone to know him. Right. The end. Like. And it's not, like, I think sometimes it's easy to look at our life and like, oh, I've done all these good things and I've made good choices. Like, so I should get this reward or, you know, like whatever the dream is in my heart, like it sh- it's going to come to to fruition because of what I've done. Right. And it's like, that is so wrong. Yeah. Like it's just, so it's all by grace. And, um, even know. Jesus didn't refer to himself as good. Like there's yeah. a, there's a story of, uh, the, but doesn't he say only the fathers? Yeah. yeah. Like there's that one guy, I can't remember who he was wow. in the story, but he was like, you know, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And he's like, why do you call me good? There's only one who is good. So it basically mm-hmm. like, he is living a perfect life and he's doing everything perfect and right and holy and good. And he won't even like, he won't brag about it. He won't take credit for it. And he won't call himself good. If anyone has the right to call themselves good, it's him. So, so who are we to even consider ourselves decent? You know what I mean? Um, if he won't even call himself good. Right. And it's like, and even the Bible says that like, um, God desires that no one should perish, but that all should know his son. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why would we be like happy that 
people are possibly like going to people are possibly dying and not knowing the Lord. Like, why are we, why are people content with that? Like, why are there Christians out there that are okay with people just living in sin and just, well, well, that, you know what? They live in sin, so they deserve hell. And it's like, so do you, so do I, we all do. Like, (laughs) what the heck is wrong with you? Like, and there's that, that's a part of the Bible where Jesus is going to like separate the sheep from the goats. And he's going to be like, telling a certain section like depart from me i don't know you wow. like and i really believe that there are going to be people that are like they thought like they thought, were christians yeah. and they thought they had it right and they believed it right and jesus is like i don't even know you yeah like who are you wow you're not even like my own yeah that's so neat i was just thinking even like um you think of saul in the bible and then you know when he has his whole experience and encounter with jesus and then he's changed forever um like there's a lot of people that today we could look at as being like modern day Saul's, like if, you know, um, I don't know, an ISIS soldier, you know, and I've even heard of some of them that have converted. Yes. And like Jesus has like shown up and they've just like realized, Oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm doing something that is totally crazy. And, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, But even that to that extreme, you know, people that it's easy for us to look at and say, oh my gosh. No, you're not allowed. You yeah. went too far, sir. And it's like, nope, Jesus still will take them too. Yeah. Thankfully, yeah. And he takes all of us. Right. But um, I think it's exciting though, because those people, like when you think about uh, whether it's a celebrity or even someone that's a part of a terrorist group or they're, they're in a position where they're basically living their life kind of in an extreme way, most of them. And it's like, if they would just turn that over to the Lord and then live extremely for him, like that Imagine impact, the impact. Yeah. yeah. Could be what can huge. Be totally. Yeah. So it's exciting. So yeah. So I just wanted to touch on that because I was like, man, Lord, forgive me. Because initially Aww. I was just like, what the heck? And then I thought about it. I was like, no, this is an amazing thing. And yeah. I just pray for her and, and Justin Bieber too, you know, that yeah. um, whatever the Lord wants to do, whatever his purpose is for them, that they would fulfill it. And they're still, they're still young. They're so young. And, and I think like, I forget that too. Yeah. Because a lot of these kids, they've just been in the limelight for so long. Right. Like you think like, aren't you at least 40? But <laughs> no, you know, and they're yeah. like 22. Right. So yeah. Yeah. We, we, we need to stop holding uh, younger people to like, the standards of like like older people who are like i've lived a life and they need to be like (laughs) me and it's like whatever yeah like you were you're gonna tell me you had everything when you were 21 (laughs) you had everything all together and then how many of us at that age have had access to what they have access to you know right and that's the other thing too i think that the lord was kind of showing me and um that i've kind of even thought this before is just um or he's shown me before but um that we haven't had access. And Pastor Rick has even said this before. If you've never been tempted in that area, you didn't have access to sin in that way. Like you don't really know exactly what you would do. Yeah. You you might be way worse. You're just lucky that you didn't have access to it. Yeah. It's very possible. For real. Like that's true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, this is, this has been great. Um, I honestly haven't kept track of time, but it's definitely been a good lengthy one. Oh my gosh, it has been. And it's uh, it's been so fascinating. I just feel like How we does only the time go by. That I feel fast, like we scratched Jeff. the surface, but I still feel feel like it was very fulfilling, and I like the the way it naturally went, uh, especially towards the end. Yeah. Um. So it was. And very... that's like my heart. So I love that too. Yeah. I love it, and yes. I want to hear you sing. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> um. Definitely another time. Yeah. In private. 
um i'll secretly be recording okay you can do that um you know what the best way to do it is uh ride in a car with me okay you know we could totally do an episode like that british guy i don't know his name oh the carpool thingy yeah yeah karaoke or Uh whatever yeah exactly i don't remember his name either but james something yeah james something um but yeah totally like that yes that would be the setup to do it um (laughs) Well, this was uh, episode four of Inquisitive Jeff. Um, my guest today was Andrea Beck, and she was fantastic today. And again, my first repeat guest, so really thankful to have her come out and uh, spend some time over here in the Fat Cave. Um, and uh, basically, we're going to put a pin on it. And uh, is there anything you want to you know, say, or do you want to plug anything? You're like, check out, <laughs> check out my Insta. Oh. Well, you know, it's not up yet, but I'm still working on my fashion blog and Ooh. I made some headway yesterday. So that's a great thing. Um, I don't want to say a deadline. I probably need to give myself a deadline. So I think by the end of this month, I should have something up. Yes. And the website will be um, the style collective dot co. OK. And so I'll send you info so you can post it and share and all that. But, oh, for sure. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Andrea Beck. And it's um, with extra A's, so A-N-D-R-E-A-A-A, Beck. Why is uh, that? <laughs> just because I couldn't not do it that way, because otherwise it was taken. Okay. And so it's just extra A's wasn't taken. Why not the Andrea Beck? I did that, but it just felt silly. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> mine's uh, it's mine's it's Jeff Brooks. Like That's I the like only that. way I could distinguish from... Doing no, like, like a Jeff Brooks with a number oh, on I it. I could do that. It's Andrea Beck. Maybe. Yeah. Because I tried the Andrea Beck. The like, sounds too weird. like I'm like, I'm a celebrity yeah, or something. I got it's you. Like, it just felt weird. Okay. But yeah. I feel you. But so more to come on, on my blog, my fashion blog. It'll Which is awesome because you, you're you're like fashionista and you know style very well. Thanks. And I wish I, I wish I did. Um, I just wear like a t-shirt and jeans. Oh, I you're just fine. settle. But we're going to work on that. Yeah, for real. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that's, a, see, that's another fascinating thing. I'm just finding out all these things. Um, <laughs> so that is it for this episode. Thank you so much again for tuning in and have a week. Ooh.